What's up, everyone? It's Girls in the Game here. We aren't just talking about scores, plays, and games. You're getting inside scoop of NCAA Division I athletics. We're your hosts, Allie Tunney, Colleen Schultes, Mary Gagan. And this is Girls in the Game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for season two of Girls in the Game. This week, we have a special guest, Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. Yo, what is up? What's going Whoa, on? Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate y'all having me. To start out, if you could just introduce yourself and kind of just tell us what you do and like where you're from and just the basic information. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Chris Phillips. I'm the owner, operator, uh, whatever title you want to put on it, the brains behind the Spurs Up show, which is a Gamecocks entity, obviously focused around uh, podcasts, daily live shows, social media, merchandise, you know, live events. Um, basically anything and everything, right? We're still continuing to expand the way we attack content and we attack business. Uh, originally from North Augusta, South Carolina, uh, I lived in Charlotte for four years. That's actually where I started the business, January of 2017, or when I really started getting going, creating content around the Gamecocks. Uh, so I had a stint in Charlotte before I moved to Columbia to do and pursue the business full-time in August of 2019, lived there for uh, three years and actually now reside in Greenville, South Carolina. Moved here uh, July, end of July or so, 2022. Really just wanted to take advantage of unique flexibility and, uh, you know, what uh, doing a business like the Spurs Up show where you're obviously remote and everything's digital, you know, what that offered me. And so I wanted to also take the opportunity to grow professionally and personally and kind of just change up the surroundings. But uh, yeah, originally from the state of South Carolina, obviously North Augusta, South Carolina, and actually did not attend USC. A lot of people don't know that I played uh, college baseball at Newberry, wanted to chase the dream, and I got accepted into South Carolina. It was a tough decision, but uh, at the end of the day, wanted to be a college athlete and have never regretted that. That was an incredible experience, but uh, but yeah, born and raised in South Carolina. I've been a Gamecock fan, obviously, my entire life from uh, ever since I even remember starting really watching college football. So We know you have over 33,000 followers on Twitter, so you definitely have gained a huge following. I are wondering, like, how did you get that big of a following? Also, just why did you start the Spurs Up show in general yeah so the why behind it you know i would say that um i followed my passion and became grossly obsessed with it really is the short answer but uh you know obviously i was a sports guy again played sports growing up uh, played baseball in college like i mentioned also played competitive golf but played a little bit of everything had a stint playing basketball football and and just loved sports and uh, you know also really early on just loved i would say I love the ability to express my opinion and, you know, use, get my creative juices flowing and express that creativity through content and just the sports world as a whole. Right. So, I mean, I can, I can trace it all the way back to when I was in middle school, we had a group of guys that a lot of my buddies were, were Clemson fans for whatever reason at that time. But, you know, you have your writer's block when you're in English and you have your composition notebook at that time or whatever, and, and you're asked to spend 30 minutes writing about something. Like, it just has to be anything. And we would write about college football, and we would write up, like, little previews and stuff like that. And so, like, my grandfather's the one that really got me into and is the reason I'm a diehard Gamecock fan the way I am today, but he really got me into it, and it was around – I'd probably say end of 2002, beginning of 2003. So I was about 12 or 13 years old or 11 or 12 years old, what have you, whenever I really started getting into it. And so I would like read the newspaper with him. And so I was consuming very early on, but I just, I had a knack for it. You know, like in high school, I was, I was, uh, my senior year, I was on the newspaper staff as like a sports writer. And so, you know, really again, boiling down the why is I just always had this yearning to, 
um, you know, talk sports and express my opinion about sports. And everybody talks sports at the water cooler with their buddies. And like, I just felt like I was like, you know what? I have a knack for this. And why not take these conversations that I'm having and, you know, putting them out there for the masses. You know, I, I loved social media early on. I was always a Twitter guy and my personal account, uh, you know, was, was on Instagram, was on everything. And I just loved the creative freedom and expression and those type of things. And again, like I mentioned, I was a consumer before I was a producer, right? So I always knew I had a knack for it, but it was really tough. Like, how do you start, right? That's a lot of people, that's what they struggle with. And I commend you guys for getting going and just starting because that's really, that's a victory in itself. So many people feel like they have all these great ideas and they just never execute on them because tomorrow becomes never. So again, to answer your question, the why, um, you know, I just felt like it was something that, you know, I had an opinion and felt like, uh, you know, opinion that could be valuable or at least could start conversation and get it going. And to your point on social media, like how do you get to 33,000 followers on Twitter? How do you amass any sort of following? Because when we started, uh, and for those, you know, you guys may not know, it was uh, December of 2016, I stumbled across an account called Armchair All-Americans. And they had they were broken up kind of like the way Barstool is where, you know, they have these team accounts, whatever. So they had a South Carolina page it had 30 followers on Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, no anything. They're like, hey, you know, all we're asking for from you is, uh, and they were a really small team. I, mean, I don't even think Armchair exists anymore. They have like four or 5,000 followers on Twitter, which is small, obviously, in the grand scheme of things when you think about it. But they were like, you can have total creative control. All we're asking is just two articles per week and kind of do whatever. And I just picked it up and ran with it. And I was like, you know what? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina right now, working a corporate job. I'm cold calling. I was in sales. I'm not really fulfilled by what I do. And it was a chase. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur too, right? I should mention that. Like I love business. My grandfather owned a small business. My dad majored in business, worked for him. So I think it was kind of in my blood, that entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, I just saw the opportunity and ran with it. And I would say the key to amassing a following on social media, um, you know, you, you need to be good at what you do. But I, I think the number one thing I would tell people is consistency, Right. Because social media is literally just an arms race for people's attention, right? And so, I mean, we literally started TSUS at zero. And I've never obviously paid for a follower. I've never even paid for like social media marketing. I believe in mass content creation and creating content at scale, right? Because again, it's an arms race for people's attention on social media. And it's a slow grind. It is. And you have to accept that, right? I mean, I remember after six months on Twitter, after six months of Practically posting every single day, not like the way we do now, but at that time, how I knew to, knew how to produce content. After six months, we had a hundred followers, and so I think back and I'm like, "This what kept me going?" Because a hundred's nothing. I mean, it's nothing, but it was just the fact that I still, it didn't matter. I always had the mindset from day one of like, if this positively impacts one person, then I've succeeded, and so it's really easy to win. When you take that type of mindset, right? So um, it's consistency. I mean, obviously, I think continuing to be curious in the way that you create content and and uh, being interesting, you know, having banter, being willing to have conversations that maybe others aren't. But I, I think just consistency, consistency, consistency. That's my number one thing, right? Because it doesn't matter how great you are. Like if you if you post a piece of content, but then you go four or five days without posting, well, your audience is going to find other people to follow. And, and like, so what's really cool right now is I think a lot of people do follow because of the consistency. Like TSUS has become a part of people's day-in, day-out routines. They count on it every single day, and it feels good to be counted on. Like that's a point you want to get to. So 
you know, obviously, you, you know, I, I can speak on like you need to have a knack for it. You need to be entertaining. You need to be captivating. You need to be somebody that people look to. And and I think that's something you can develop, right? That's it's it's a it's a skill like anything else. Like I, I relate a lot of this journey to being an athlete. Like like no athlete just wakes up and you can have talent and skill, but nobody wakes up and is a professional. Like you have to start from somewhere. And I always say the joy is in the journey, and it truly is on social media too, because as you as you're consistent. Right, you're going to evolve and and shape your craft and sharpen up and and change some of the way you do things. And hey, you're going to fail sometimes, and that's great because each failure gets you closer to a success. And you see what you like, what you don't like, what styles you like. You're going to find your voice if you're doing something like a podcast or creating content. But again, I would just go back to consistency. That's my number one thing because without that, all of the rest of it really doesn't matter. So I know you talked a lot about in your episodes how you make merch and how passionate you are about your merch. So I'm just wondering a little bit, um, some of your inspiration for some of your merch ideas, what's your favorite and what are the most popular items you've sold? Yeah. So the, uh, I mean, I love creating merchandise that was early on. It was something that, and, and really I would say my inspiration for it. I mean, I, I saw what other entities were doing, like the, the Pat McAfee's of the world, the bar stools, right. The way, because merchandise has always been a really, really big thing for them. And, and uh, I also saw too, like just like you know, graphic tees and streetwear, and I just thought it would always be so cool to to have your own brand and rock your own merchandise. Like that's a you know, a lot of people want to rock like designer labels and stuff like that, and that's cool. Like I I respect the heck out of the artist, but I'm like, there's nothing like rocking your own merchandise. It's a very cool feeling, and then being able to to take that idea or whatever it is and 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 throw it on a t-shirt, a hoodie, a hat or whatever and and share it with the masses and provide value to a point where other people are rocking your merch like that is I still to this day like have to pinch myself when I'm around game day and seeing all the merch. It's a cool thing. I mean it's really really cool. Um but so the inspirations to create merchandise like I loved Smack Apparel growing up like they would make really cool, funny, creative shirts and I just felt like it was something again where I was able to you know, express my creativity. And it's something too, like if you look back at my early merch designs, they were terrible. Like most of them were really bad. Uh, it was like two weeks ago, I think I dropped the first ever piece of merch or two weeks ago, it was uh to the date. It was like five years ago or something like that. We dropped our first ever piece of merch and it was, yeah, it was pretty awful. It looked pretty terrible. But uh, you, you know, you learn as you go, right? And so I'm a big believer in like less is more. Like I don't get too, too creative in the merchandise in regards to like the, the graphics or why, like, I don't think you need to, I, I like to create merchandise. That's more like almost like a, a lot of it, right. You need to be a Gamecock fan to even understand what the reference is, which I think is cool though. That's why it stands out because it's so specific. And I just felt like when I looked at the merch game, like, you know, there's only so many block C polos you can have. You know what I mean? Like, I think people, I think there's a market for more unique sort of off the wall merchandise that really pertains and speaks to fans of the University of South Carolina. So, you know, I would say definitely our most popular selling piece of merch of all time has been the Beamer ball stuff. I mean, that's just how can you not get behind Coach Beamer and and what they're doing? And obviously, I would I would tell you guys winning helps. So that's that's obviously helped the calls and the fact that, you know, he it's the 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 program is trending the way it is and the, and the way that it's turning out with, with coach Shane Beamer. But, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome. Merch, merch has been the biggest game changer, I would say over the last year and a half, uh, ever since coach Beamer got hired. And again, I think that's a direct correlation to, because of the, the excitement that he's brought to South Carolina football and the excitement he's brought to the Gamecocks. But, you know, I, I make merch across the board, you know, I'm really passionate about the baseball merch we have as well. We've done some basketball pieces, but uh, we're going to be re-releasing the baseball stuff, the Yardcocks baseball and a, a lot of cool pieces we have there. But, uh, 
you know, and also we're working with, and I, I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but we're working with Spencer Rattler's team right now to to run back the Beamer Rattler 23 merch. That was a huge, huge hit last year and the hats, the hoodies, the shirts, everything in between. And again, but it all stemmed from though, like give credit where it's due. The fact that Shane Beamer's building a monster. And I mean, you have Spencer Rattler return and all the excitement and everything else. And it's really cool to be able to use that and to also put, you know, be involved in NIL and put money back in his pocket and also provide great value to the Gamecocks fan base. So uh, yeah, merchandise for sure has been one of the biggest game changers for the business, for the brand, for for all of the above and it's it's something i'm definitely passionate about and enjoy and uh yeah really really do enjoy it it's a cool thing yeah i i liked what you said about um when something's specific to the university and i know if i'm walking down the street and i see someone wearing like a beamer rattler shirt it's like oh like they know like they know whatever it's not just yeah, like- we're also i was gonna say to y'all specifically we're trying to you know i've collabed with uh, we did the Made by Jocelyn collab, which I'm actually wearing one of them right now, the Drop Your Nut shirts. But we did those Tennessee <laughs> Clem Sucks victory shirts. And um, I'll be honest, 2023, I'm really trying to appeal more to the the female demographic in regards to merchandise. So moving kind of more into, I mean, your es- expertise, Gamecock football. So coming off of a really good end of the season, I mean, Clemson, Tennessee didn't get that bowl win. But, you know, I mean, still played really, really well. Um, and then towards the end of the season, obviously transfers and people getting hired, we just hired a new offensive coordinator, Dow Loggins. And I know on like Twitter and just on social media in general, there were some conflicting opinions about him. So, um, and then Shane Beamer in his press conference was super fired up about it. So what's, what are your thoughts on him and what do you think he can contribute to the team for this next season? Yeah, and let me say this about Dowell Loggins because it's it's interesting that we're having this conversation today because of course Clem Sucks just hired Garrett Riley as their OC. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys follow college football pretty closely, but um that was a guy that I think at the start of the OC search, many South Carolina fans wanted. Yeah. And you know, all of us here, and I think everybody within the South Carolina fan base, and you'd be foolish not to, we all trust Shane Beamer and we all believe in the direction of the program. But I equated it to it's 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 like when you're trying to date that person and they turn you down and not only do they turn you down, but they go and date like your mortal enemy. It, it just stings. It doesn't mean you don't have great things going on and it worked out for the best, but it's like, it just hits different. It stings different, right? When it's your arch rival uh, landing that said person. Now, with that being said, again, Dowell Loggins, his resume is what it is. You know, he was in the NFL for almost, a, I think about a decade or so. Um, you know, it, it didn't go well. Let's just call it what it is. It didn't go well statistically. With that being said, I, I, I fall in this camp. I, I think it's a it's a question mark. I, I think there will be a lot of pressure going into this season. With that being said, I trust Shane Beamer, right, at the end of the day. So I, I believe in his decision-making, and I believe Shane Beamer should obviously be able to operate and control his program and hire who he wants to hire. And obviously coming off of the the presser, and Shane Beamer, there's nobody better at, at a press conference when South Carolina, especially when we're winning, he he is he's an electric factor. He's great for content. He's great for content. Truly, he is. But um, you know, I I loved everything I heard. I mean, I, I thought that if you could have made a checklist of everything we needed to hear from Beamer and especially Dowell Loggins and what we want to see from the offense moving forward, that they addressed every single thing, right? Every box you could check, they did. Now, if they stick by that and they live to that, and does that translate to the field? We shall see. But you know, I'll say this. I and I think it's, you know, I I there's some people that are irritated by uncomfortable conversations. There's some people that are irritated by, you know, pressure. And there's some people that are irritated by the banter 
And if you are, you're probably not a fan of what I do because I run towards it. I, I love it. I mean, listen, I think there's a lot of reasons to look at that hire and be concerned. I mean, again, his resume stinks. We made the point on my show. It's like, imagine you go on a first date with somebody and they've had five different relationships and they've just all been terrible. And it's like, it's not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, we're going to see this thing through, but I'm a little nervous. That's how I feel about Dowell Loggins, right? So, um, that's not to say again, you got Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells back. And that's the most important thing because players make plays at the end of the day. And as long as they stick to everything they said in the presser of, hey, we're going to let our athletes go be athletes, but we're not going to overthink this thing. We're going to keep things simple. And you'd like to think Shane Beamer, he's a young coach. He learned a lot. You'd like to think he learned a lot from the Marcus Satterfield experience and, and why that didn't work and what needs to be changed moving forward and make the adjustments. And as long as they make those adjustments, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Again, we've got the players. There's no excuse for the offense to not be a lot better this year. But, uh, you know, it, it was a questionable hire. It was a bit of an underwhelming hire because we felt like that, okay, this is the one now after Satterfield. Let's go get that big home run guy, that grand slam that a guy like Garrett Riley would have been, right? So, you know, Shane Beamer certainly addressed that in his presser, but I will not fault a Gamecock fan for – and I'll go into this season with, uh, you know, there was already going to be pressure, but, you know, it's it's uh, he, he's a bit of a question mark to a degree. And I, I'm what my hope is is that in three, four, five years from now, we're looking back and the offense has done great. And we're saying, you know what, Dowell Loggins just was not an NFL guy. He turned out to be a, a college guy, you know, made for the college game and – you know, I think that's a great possibility. But, uh, I mean, it's the SEC. It's South Carolina football. And there'd be pressure no matter what. But I think there's some extra reasons for added pressure, too. When when you think about, too, this fan base is a lot of PTSD from the Will Muschamp era. We've mm -hmm. seen bad offense for so long. And I think, too, the wins over Tennessee and Clem sucks. They showed you the potential. They showed you the potential of what Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, and this entire offense can be. So, you know, it'll be up to them to get it out of us. And, and I think you got to hit the ground running because you got UNC week one and they're going to be a high potent attack with Drake May. And um, yeah, so you got to get that offense rolling early. And I, I'm I'm curious and excited to see how different, if different at all, really the offense looks this season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So to talk a little bit more about Rattler, um, he had a phenomenal last few games, which got Game Cognition really fired up for next season, which is awesome. After a pretty rocky start in the beginning where people were kind of questioning the decision, but um, he just announced that he was coming back earlier this week, which has so many of us so excited. So I'm just wondering, what kind of advancements do you think he has to make this year to be really successful? And what are just your overall thoughts on his return? Yeah, and it's funny. Again, we're talking Rattler. A lot of that goes back to the OC conversation because I, I – and I was ecstatic when he first announced he was coming to South Carolina. And how, how could you not be, right? A guy that was once thought to be the favorite to win the Heisman, thought of being a – First-round NFL draft pick, and I think certainly he still has that talent. I think he's one of the most talented players to ever step foot on the University of South Carolina. I mean, he's that good. Um, you know, I thought early on, because you make a great point, right? I mean, he was inconsistent. Just call it for what it is. His play wasn't that great. His stats were not great. He threw more touchdowns. I don't know if y'all knew this. He threw more touchdowns in that game against Tennessee, six, than he had the entire month of October. And that was including games against SC State. I mean, it was, it was crazy when you think about it. Um, you know, again, I, I think that I put some of that blame on Marcus Satterfield and the previous offensive staff. And I think it was just, it was way too complex. I, you, you could see him out there overthinking and kind of moving in half speed and being unsure of himself, but also Spencer's got to be better, right? The decision-making has to be better. Um, you know, I think just navigating the offense as a whole, protecting the football. The entire offense has got to be better, but definitely he has to be better, keeping it out of harm's way. 
But what does his return mean for South Carolina? I mean, it's it's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And I've said it over and over. And I I I I've had to reel myself back in a little bit to not set unrealistic expectations. But I think his return alone is the difference between South Carolina. You know, if he didn't come back, I'm not saying we would have been terrible, but there, there would have been a major question mark at quarterback. And I think you'd have been looking at probably a a six or seven win season realistically. Now somebody could have broken out and been the next all everything, but we just don't know, right? But I think it's the difference realistically between being a six or seven win team and South Carolina. I think all of a sudden now maybe they're a dark horse to win the SEC East. I'm not saying they're going to, but you know, I dropped my way too early predictions for the season yesterday. And, you know, I had the Gamecocks that uh right now I got them at nine and three. And those are subject to change. You know, it may be better, maybe worse, maybe the exact same. But uh, I'll lock in my official predictions in July. But I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, to be excited. You look at how many teams the Gamecocks play, that they are changing their quarterbacks, and now you got your guy back. And, you know, it's no lack of talent, right? I think if the system's there and the scheme is there and what Loggins and Beamer are trying to do, they're able to implement that again. Less is more. Simple. Stay out of the way. Let this guy just go out there and make plays. He's not a perfect player. I think Spencer Rattler has shown he's more than willing to – to, to put the ball in harm's way. And I think sometimes maybe he trusts his arm a little bit too much. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to continue on working on his running game as well, escaping the pocket and, you know, when things break down, you know, keeping the eyes downfield, which he does a pretty good job of now. But there's obviously a ton of things he can improve on. But being more consistent as well and, and taking the last two games of the regular season and doing that over the entire course of the season – but, I mean, it's it's huge. And then to get Juice back as well and, and what that means, I think that'll be one of the most lethal connections in the SEC in 2023. And now it's just, again, it's all about finding consistency, right? I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen is we go out there and you look like you did in the first 10 games. And I, and I don't really think about the bowl game a whole lot. You know, you mentioned earlier about the bowl game. And, I, I mean, half the team sitting now, half their team sitting now. What do you really take away from it? And, heck, we scored 38 points. So, you know, I, I it was a it was a great college football game. I said that after the game that it was a you know it was just one of those games that objectively it was a great game. Unfortunately, we had to lose, but um, no, I, I think uh, yeah, it's 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 a great thing that he's back and uh, it means the world for South Carolina. And this year, I think now with his return, should serve as a bit of a launching point for South Carolina football in year three under Shane Beamer. Yeah, <clears throat> like you mentioned. Players not be not playing in the bowl game, whatever. Obviously, with the transfer portal, that's such a huge thing, especially now with like the NIL and just in general in college football. So obviously, we lost some some big players, but we also gained a lot of players. So, who are you kind of excited to see that we got, or um, and even just like the class of twenty twenty three coming in? Also, who are you just really excited to see play in the next season? Well, yeah, the class of 2023, and speaking on the portal, by the way, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away, right? Because we, we, we've seen uh, a couple of big guys leave, and of course we picked up some, though. Trey Knox, I think the tight end from Arkansas, I think he's going to be an immediate guy. You know, you look at the number of tight ends we picked up, it's absolutely crazy. When you think of the 2023 class, though, my favorite, or what I what I like most about it is that we, we bolstered the line of scrimmage, and that was a yeah. position of need. Offensive line, defensive line, and you look at those guys, I think Monique Rames has got a chance to be an immediate impact player. Uh, big tree, Oluwatosin Babalade, uh, I think that's how you say his name. On the offensive side, um, you know, Trovon Bow. I mean, the list goes on and on of the guys that you sign in the trenches, and, and that's where you win, right? You, you, you watch the national championship game between Georgia and TCU. The difference in that one outside of that Georgia just outclassed them in every single position. I mean, the advantage up front in the trenches. And if South Carolina, to me, I think if they're going to take that next step, they've got to beef up the line of scrimmage. They've got to run the football more consistently. They've got to stop the run. And I know we're all 
you know, we're all obsessed with uh, seeing, you know, long touchdown passes and, and these, these high-flying offenses, and we talk receivers and skill players, and that's great. But if you don't have the guys up front and you can't stop the run, right, you just don't have a chance. You don't have a chance if you don't have those guys up front. So I think continuing to build competitive depth up front. I think also Grayson Pup Howard at linebacker, of course, he's going to be one of the leaders. He was one of the leaders of your signing class. I think he's going to be an immediate impact player at the linebacker position. Jerron Willis, by the way, speaking of uh, the transfer portal pickups, the Ole Miss transfer linebacker. I know he only played one game last year, but you look at his recruiting profile, was a highly rated four-star guy and linebacker absolutely is a position of need. Uh, I, I would say still is a position of need for South Carolina. Uh, you know, you've lost a couple of guys, right? And I, and I saw and I read some of the notes, obviously, before the show about, you know, were any of them surprises? I would say Jaheim Bell probably wasn't a surprise, right? When you look at uh, the way his season went, and unfortunately, you know, he didn't get the football as much as we would have liked him to either. I mean, I said it many times that what, what Marcus Satterfield was doing with Jaheim Bell was flat out criminal. He ought to be thrown in jail for it. I mean, obviously over-exaggerating, but I just thought it was ridiculous that he wasn't touching the football. And, uh, you know, his family was disgruntled too. So that one wasn't surprising. The Marshawn Lloyd thing is, I think, will just forever be one of those mysteries that I, it's just it's hard to wrap your brain around. Like, I understand NIL exists. I understand some guys are chasing the bag, Jordan Birch, you know, and, and best of luck to you, right? I understand in the world of NIL, like – if you're a recruit, you'd be kind of crazy not to take some of these numbers. Like I more so, and I've been this way from the jump, being a business owner myself, I more so question the business owners because I fully support NIL. I support Carolina Rise, Garnet Trust, Park Avenue, if it's still a thing, all the collectives. I, I, I support that fully. But you see some of the numbers being thrown out, not even just at South Carolina, but some of these other schools. And I'm like, at what point does win by any means necessary? become a bit ridiculous at what point does it become too much right because I see some of these numbers are thrown out there I mean Tennessee is giving their quarterback that just signed with him eight million dollars like it just feels crazy but I don't blame the kids at all again I more so question the business owners I guess if you've got fu money to throw around like that sure but I I, I just I don't know it, it seems wild to me either way though the Marshawn Lloyd one was definitely a surprise and the Jordan Birch that kind of came out of nowhere, too. So, uh, again, it's just got to be an attitude. I think a Gamecock fans, all we got is all we need. You know, you saw Kai Kroger throw that up on his social media and many others as well. And and uh, you, you got to believe, too, and, and we've seen it at this point, that no matter what, again, the portal giveth, portal taketh away. I think we're going to get more than we get taken away, though, right? Um, you know, Shane Beamer is showing he's going to attack the transfer portal. Uh, I think the needs right now are still at running back, wide receiver. I think we're looking at guys in the portal in that regard. Um but, I mean, obviously, I think we kind of set the tone with Transfer Portal, getting guys like Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, you know, yeah. a year ago. So, um, some of those guys have definitely been surprises, though. I mean, I, I don't think college football fans – I understand it's a new day and age, and I tell people, hey, this is the new day and age of college football. Like, Transfer Portal exists, NIL exists, and I like both because I like college athletes having the opportunity to better their own situation and, and do what's best for them. However, I don't fault people and never will fault people. I don't think college football fans will ever – get used to like their favorite players who are starters and who are stars just up and leaving. I mean, a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, again, I, you know, I hate to continue to, to bring his name up, but it, it just, it's, it's just, you know, he put up that tweet or whatever about uh, I'm working on standing out. It's like you were RB one at a sec school. And what more do you want? So, <laughs> you know, guys have their reasons. And I think what's unfortunate too is most of the time when these guys leave, 
you know, they put up their, their whatever, their basic generic departure post, but it's tough because we're left, we're left wondering and assuming why people are dipping out. There, there, there really aren't any, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So it's the wild, wild west right now, but it's just something college football fans, unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever, whatever way you think about it, it's just something you got to get used to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so adding on more to NIL, so I know we talked about how it's affecting college football, but it's fairly new. It is changing. How do you think it's going to change over the time and also just in all of college athletics? Yeah, and it, you know, so it's so funny, right, that we we talk about NIL and the way that it's quote-unquote ruining college athletics, college football. Let's keep in mind, right, because I, I'm someone, I was a D2 athlete. This really only affects like the Power Five. Everybody else, and it mainly just affects Football, because I'm a huge baseball guy. I haven't heard anything about baseball with NIL. I, I, I mean, I, I guess uh, Tommy Tanks that went to LSU. I think he's probably the most notable dude that up and left at the portal, left NC State and went to LSU. But it, it, it's it's a it's a very very big deal in the college football landscape because that's what moves the needle and and that's where the big money numbers are happening. Again, I think it's here to stay. And, and, and what's you know what's unfortunate is this: this is the NCAA's fault because. For so long, they were so stingy of not wanting to give college athletes mm -hmm. even one little slice of the pie, right? They, they, they wanted to punish guys for any sense of monetizing their name, image, likeness. Guys couldn't sign an autograph without being suspended. And so that's why when I saw NIL first come, I was like, this is great, right? Like, Because I think it's foolish. If I see... If I see Luke Doty, if I see Spencer Rattler, if I see anybody and like, hey, man, let me get your autograph. I'll give you 100 bucks. The fact he could not take that is ridiculous. These guys have worked very, very hard, put in their blood, sweat, and tears for their name to carry the weight that it does. Now, I think what most people don't like is that it feels like NIL has turned into a pay-for-play system where it's basically like we're putting guys on a payroll. And let me say this, too, that I don't believe fans – should be held responsible for putting their favorite players on a payroll. Like I, I saw some commentary. It wasn't a lot, but I saw some commentary when certain guys left South Carolina that, Oh, you know, it's our fault for not giving enough. It's, it's the fans fault. We got to give more. And like, I support the collectives. I support NIL, but again, people already invest money in the form of tickets, in the form of travel, in the form of lodging, in the form of gas, in the form of all this and now you're asking them to come out of pocket and shell out money when it's not even a guarantee that's going to keep them at home, right? You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't I don't know what you do. I, I got to be honest. I, I don't know what you do. I, I think there are probably regulations that need to be put in place. I know the NCAA, I think even yesterday, just dropped something about uh, the transfer portal and how many times you can transfer. I think that'd be good because who I really feel for are these head coaches, Shane Beamer and, and all coaches in college football that are trying – to manage a roster and it just gets harder and harder and harder because not only do you have to go out there and recruit high school kids, not only are you recruiting the transfer portal, you have to recruit your own roster not to leave. Yeah. You know, and, and the tampering that's happening with, you know, we're hearing about, you know, guys that I mean, there's a reason why these guys are in the portal and they're at a new school like that because they're having conversations with other schools about, hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars. We'll give you this deal. We'll give you, and like, they're not supposed to be able to do that. So, but I, I don't know what the answer is, right? Like I had somebody tell me that, oh, you know, everything should be public and business owners should have to, to, to make this public record, how much money. And again, I think of it from my vantage point, like, no, I don't want to do that. It's, it's my money. It's my business. Like, as long as I'm not technically breaking any rules, I guess, or whatever, like 
the the way that we operate behind closed doors. And, you know, I would like to say too, TSUS, we're doing things involved with NIL. Now I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. I'm, I'm not the guy cutting a hundred thousand dollar check for a player just to come out here. I mean, again, that, that's what, that's what's intriguing to me is that, uh, you know, businesses are kind of just throwing the money without, it, it feels like kind of a one-sided thing, right? And again, I'm all about supporting the players, but if you're going to execute a business partnership, there aren't many lines of business where it's just, you just give your money away for a sunken cost and you get nothing in return, right? So, and I think, I think that's a rarity. I think most NIL partnerships are, you know, they, they are, they're a mutually beneficial partnership. But we've done a lot of things with NIL with, you know, I, I love the merch side of things. I think it's cool to be able to, because here, here's why I love it. And, and from my vantage point, it's beneficial for the players because we're putting jingle in their pocket. It's beneficial for TSUS because it helps our business. We're selling merch. But also it's beneficial for the Gamecocks fan base. Like we all get to enjoy it, right? So really you hit the trifecta and the trio and really it's beneficial for the end consumer, the fans which is what it's all about, right? That's what it's really all about in my mind. So um, anyways, I, I, you know, there's people that are much smarter than me and much higher up positions that are going to have to make those decisions. And But I, I don't know. You've now opened Pandora's box. I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube when it comes to telling business owners, telling players, trying to limit people on what they can make and what they can't. I, I, I genuinely just don't know how that gets solved. So I, I think the transfer portal first, that will be the first thing that sort of, that's a much easier topic to tackle. And I like both the portal and NIL, but what you're seeing is they launched both and they had no plan. Mm -hmm. And you just think about business and, and anything. Like most times when you launch something with no plan or, or and it's such a game-changing initiative, uh, it's not going to go well. And that's what we've seen. And it's, it's, it's the it's the wild wild west for sure, and also too, I think it's important to point out though, it does only impact like one percent of guys. Like a lot of guys that are on the roster are not making nearly, but but it, but it makes it's it's it moves the needle enough, right? So it is affecting college football, and it's and it's just one of those things. Again, I I, I don't know what all the answers are, but I, I think there definitely needs to be some sort of regulation in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. So just to wrap things up. You have an amazing show, huge following, and it's growing every day, which is awesome. So I'm just wondering if you have any goals for this upcoming year. And for us as a fairly new podcast, do you have any tips for us? Yes, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that my mindset on goal setting has changed a bit in regards to, you know, my 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 I have micro goals and macro goals. My micro goal is to wake up every day and love do what I love and and, and pursue my passions and dreams and and live a fulfilled life. And and I find that through my business and content and expressing my creativity and and the 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 journey that I'm on, growing and evolving as a business owner. So, you know, goals for 2023, I would say, but I my mindset on goals has shifted in the sense that I believe more so in implementing systems that will inevitably help me to reach and surpass all of my goals versus setting these hard, rigid goals, right? Because if you get too too structured and too rigid with your goals that you have set, you don't allow yourself to, to pivot and to change your mind. And that's a superpower to be able to change your mind and do different things. And you might realize, oh, wow, that was actually the way better, better, better way to do it all along. And, and it becomes a massive success. So, you know, the goal is to continue to make great content, to look at things with a curious eye through a, through a constructive manner and to, uh, you know, to self-evaluate day in, day out. You know, I'm always looking to sharpen my craft and, you know, I'm always looking at content. How can I do this differently? How can I do this better? How can we provide more value to the end consumer and to the audience, which again is what it's all about. And that's what I would tell you guys. Um, 
you know, some people get selfish with content, really think about it and be open to, you know, what your audience, what they want to see more of and, and what resonates with them. And, and again, for you guys, I would say just be consistent. I mean, consistency is the biggest thing you, you're it, it's, it's not going to be the overnight. Oh my God, we just woke up and we have 10,000 new followers on Instagram. But if you, if you're willing to be consistent with it, have fun with it, you know, let, let, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to let your personality shine. And because again, as you go and as you create content, you're going to find your voice, right? You're, you're going to you're going to evolve into the the way you're a content creator. It's going to evolve slowly but surely. It is. So I would say again, have fun with it. The joy is in the journey. Don't take it too seriously, right? But uh, you know, uh, approach it with a relentless passion, and and uh, you know, and and I think great things will happen. So I think you guys are on the right path for sure, and and uh, it's going to be fun to to follow and and watch from afar. And obviously, if y'all ever need anything, just let me know. Thank you so much. We really, we know you have a busy schedule, so we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all having me on. Like I said, it was an absolute blast. And anytime getting to talk, you know, we don't normally have the conversations about like the business and kind of the, the inner workings. And, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the Gamecocks, but again, I think the reason TSUS or one of the reasons it works so well is I'm passionate about business and passionate about creating content and just creating as a whole, being in a creative headspace and, and building something and, and, and growing it. You know, I, I'm passionate about that as well. So it's a, it's a fun conversation and uh, you know, TSUS to the moon, Beamer ball to the moon and girls in the game. Let's get after yeah, it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. That's all we have for this week on girls in the game and shout out to our first trivia winner. My dad, Steve Tunney, clearly having two daughters at USC has made him a Gamecock fan. Make sure you all tune in every Tuesday for more trivia.